Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Have you ever felt alone or even invisible in a crowded room? You know, when you think about those feelings, I think um, feeling alone and being lonely can actually mean two different things. And we were discussing that this morning because we all desire to be seen, to be heard, and just to to be understood. And I I think that's what it means to be human. Um, And those feelings, I don't think we, uh, so many times we don't do a self-audit to even understand where these emotions are coming from. Well, and I think loneliness, you know, that's our, our deep, or just even, you know, when you're in situations going, does anybody feel this way? Or am I the only one that ever feels this way? And so you can really feel like alone in that, which leads us into our show, which we're very excited for our, for our guests today. But before we get too far and we introduce and we get into our, uh, our conversation, we want to remind you that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at GirlfriendIt.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, today we have such an exciting guest that we um, have been chatting up in the last week. Uh, Dina Joy has been a social worker, pastor's wife, and crew staff member. She is the mother of a formerly troubled daughter, Renee Joy. Renee was a suicidal, addicted, depressed, self-harming girl whose situation led friends to start the well-known nonprofit to write love on her arms. And Renee's life was also portrayed in the 2015 uh, Sony Pictures released by the same name. And Dina, her mom, is an avid blogger. She and her husband, Tom, have three grown children and numerous grandchildren, and they live in Orlando, uh, Florida, which Dina... um, this is amazing that we even uh, have you on here today as our guest because Lisa and I are very familiar with Renee's story. I want to say, um, when was that, Lisa? Like, it was pretty like, yeah. soon. We had Jamie out here, the founder um, at our church, speak to our church in a group, uh-huh. and it was shortly after. He was pretty new at starting um, to write love on her on her arms, and so we remember hearing the story about Renee, but, you know, didn't have a context of, you know, who Renee was. So it's like, we're just honored to have you, Dina, join us and hear from, you know, the mom of this and, and understand all of that. Cause that's, it's very complex. And just, first of all, we just admire you and oh, uh, what an amazing well, story. Oh, well, I don't admire me. I'm just a mom like many others out there, but thank you so much for having me on your program today. I'm really happy to be with you and, that's very interesting, your connection, um, meeting Jamie years yes. ago. Yes. And my, my daughter still wears her um, T-shirt. Oh, does she? <laughs> that, that, that was a crazy thing that happened there. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us the craziness? Tell us Renee's story. Just kind of 
go through it because we have plenty of time. So don't, don't hurry through the details. I just think it's fascinating everything that took place and where the hope in all of this. So tell mm. us Renee's story. Sure. Well, um, this uh, all came about uh, very unplanned, very unexpected. She had been in rehab one time already right out of high school uh, when our friend's children were going to college. Renee was going to her first rehab, and um, that was just very unreal for us, very uh, grievous, very, very difficult. And when she returned four months later, she had relapsed, and she was back out on the streets. But she had kept connections as a believer. She kept her connections with a couple of people from our church, and one of them uh, was a young man named David, who was in recovery himself, and she had heard him share his story the night before she went to that first rehab, and she connected very much with him, could relate a lot to him, had the opportunity to meet him after that um, service, and um, he offered um, companionship and community to her when she returned, Um, and he did. He did do that. And so she, even when she would be really messed up, she would reach out to him. She would reach out to the friends that he had introduced her to because she knew that they cared and that they would accept her just as she was. So when she would be, uh, sometimes she'd come to uh, small group Bible studies and uh, she would be high or drunk, and they knew that, but they would just love her and accept her, let her talk and listen. And so this, these would be the people she would reach out to when things were bad. And so this young man, David, was very well aware of how things were going downhill fast. The drug use was much more serious, and he felt very strongly that it was coming to the point of life and death. And because of his own experiences, he just felt, he would say to us, I felt compelled of God to do something. Mm. And so he took a few friends and he went and found her where she was uh, crashing in this apartment and begged her to go to rehab. He'd found a place and he was going to pay for it himself because he was just convinced that this girl needed help. And He knew there would be no financial help from us for the second rehab. We had told her, "Our first, your first time is on us and our insurance company, but if you ever relapse and need it again, that's all right. That's your choice, but that would be her dollar. She would have to figure out how to pay for it, and so he knew that. Anyway, um, he went to her, and to his surprise, she agreed to go. Now, he did call us, I think, the day before he went and let us know because we had become friends with him. And uh, he told us that he was going to, he asked us to pray and that he was planning on going to her and trying to talk her into going to rehab. Well, she agreed, but um, she and her friends had all just pitched in all their money and bought a lot of drugs. And she said, I'll go, but not until tomorrow. We're going to party up big tonight. Well, uh, he was very much afraid that she might not even survive the next morning, but he went back. She was okay. 
However, she had felt so guilty about what she did the night before. She thought she had ruined everything for going to rehab, and so she cut her arm. That's when she cut her arm up so badly and wrote F up about herself, which was how much she hated herself. Mm-hmm. Well, she did go. They took her to the rehab, and they said, I'm sorry, we can't take her because she's not detoxed, for one, and she has these fresh wounds on her arm. But you take her somewhere, take her to the local hospital, get her detoxed, and if she'll agree to come back in five days, we'll take her and we'll try to help her. Well, he called us after that and said, we've got Renee, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Well, what he did, and we tell people, don't do this, this really isn't, it's the best thing to do, but he and his friends, they didn't want to take her to a sterile environment, and so they took her to his place, and they all stayed around her for five days and just loved on her and took her to Christian rock concerts and magic basketball games and bought her lots of coffee and cigarettes and uh, just tried to make this be a very positive time. And all, all the while on pins and needles, not knowing if she would agree to go at the end of those five days. Well, she did. And she did stay, and she did very well. Um, during that time, during those five days, one of those young men, who was Jamie, uh, the founder of Detroit Love, he had done some writing for a relevant magazine. And he just felt like what was happening was something very special and unusual. And he asked her if he could write her story and about what was happening. And she said, well, gee, if you think it will help even one person, okay. So he wrote this very moving and beautiful story, which people can still read on To Write Love on her arms website, um, and showed it to a few friends who were very uh, touched by it, and they encouraged him uh, to put it on the Internet, and this was before Facebook, and so he created a MySpace page, and it within a few days began to hear from people all over the world, Korea and England and Australia, saying, oh, this story has encouraged me to get help for myself, or it's encouraged me to go to my friend who cuts, and, and, I'll, and now I'm going to go and I'm going to encourage them to go see a counselor. And so something, it, it struck a, a nerve uh, across, gosh, a lot of ages, but especially with teens and young adults, because no one was talking about depression or self-harm or addiction or suicide. This was uh, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And especially in the church, people just were not talking about this. And um, so during this time, while Renee was in rehab over the next three months, they wanted to figure out a way to help pay for her uh, costs. And so they designed a T-shirt, and that's where these came from, and they put the name of the story because he called the story to write love on her arms, and that's where the name comes from. And the whole thought behind that was when people with hope and the love of God go to those who look hopeless and really messed up, uh, we can make a difference. We can write love on their arms uh, instead of the how they feel about themselves. So they designed the T-shirts. The company did that he worked for, Hurley. And they put the name, I'm sorry, they put the story inside the shirts on the back just to sell really among uh, our church and the the young adult church and um, to help. And they, they found that 
everybody wanted a shirt, not just girls, guys, people from all across the country. Uh, we want a shirt. Everybody wanted to be part of this, and this very unique community began to grow. And they not only took in enough money to pay for all of her rehab, but so much money was coming in so fast that they had to become a nonprofit to legally process and handle it all. And Dina, so Dina it, we're going to have to stop right now and take a break. <laughs> you have us. We're leaning in. I can't believe how fast the time. We're, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. We're going to be right back with Dina Yoy. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Runners are frequently plagued with injuries, aches, and pains. Much of these injuries can be traced to how they are landing on their feet when they run. When a runner lands on their heels, it sends forces up to three times their weight through their body. In the journal Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise, it was recently reported that runners who land on the ball of their foot are 40% less likely to have repetitive stress injuries than those who touch down heel first. When a runner lands on their forefoot, the impact is barely measurable. Shape Magazine says to land on the outer ball of your foot behind the second to last and pinky toes. After the front of the foot hits, let your heel naturally touch down, then push off with your toes again to begin the next step. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back talking with Dina Yoy, and she is a social worker, pastor's wife, and crew staff member, but she's also the mother of a formerly troubled daughter, Renee Yoy. And Renee was a suicidal, addicted, depressed, self-harming girl whose situation led friends to start the well-known nonprofit to write love on her arms. And Dina has also just recently um, written a book about this whole situation and from a parent's perspective, mainly her perspective. And it's called You Are Not Alone. And we will talk a little bit more about that and how you can get a hold of this book when it comes out. And Dina, I have to tell you, um, 
just hearing the first part, I want to know, you know, even more details of Renee's story, <laughs> but I have to tell you, it, it, it hurts my heart as a mom of three children who are all in this age group. And I know just for our listeners yeah. out there, I think it freaks every single parent out because yeah. You raise your children, and I. When I heard Renee's story way back when Jamie came to our church, and I did read the the blog, I don't remember thinking that Renee came from a Christian home. And right. so then, when you find that out, then you really get freaked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> then just you being bold and being able to share that you know we. I think as Christians, many times you think you live in this Christian bubble and, uh, we, we think that, okay, God is going to protect our children. They're not going to go down this path. And yet I I know there are story after story. Um, and, and I have a friend who's similar story and, you know, she's still paying for her daughter with that. you, You mentioned, you know, we will pay for rehab. The first time mm-hmm. around, and then after that, it's that tough love that you hear mm-hmm. people saying, and yet mm-hmm. you your heart breaks because you go, no, this child might need it again and again and again. And yeah. uh, knowing that they are never completely healed after they're addicted, they're always chasing that first high is, is the way I've, I've heard it put. But with all that said, I, I have my own daughter who... Um, has several friends that she comes home and tells me these different stories about the the cutting. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. is so foreign to me. And as a parent, there's so many questions I want to ask you. At what point do you, when your daughter or your child is confiding in you, that do you go to this parent or do you hold what your child is telling you confidentially because you want them to come to you and share so that would be my first question, and I have a hundred more. So, <laughs> you mean about your your child's friends that they're talking to you about? Yes, when they come to you, what do yeah. you do with that information? Okay. Yeah, I know that's that's kind of tricky because if they're being confidential with you, you don't want to violate that. Um, at the same time, if this friend is in serious trouble or headed that way and their parents have no clue. I mean, I put myself in those other parents' shoes and I would want to know so that I could get my child help. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you... Yeah, I really feel like the the parent needs to know, um, but maybe it depends on on how good your relationship is with your child. Um, You don't want them to find out later you violated a a confidence, like you said, where then they're not going to talk to you. Um, maybe the better way is to ask them first, is it okay with you if I share with their mom? They might they might freak out. Maybe it's just something you feel like you have to do, and then the other mom needs to be hold that in confidence. You know, if it's a secret, like no one knows that their child or daughter is cutting, but their best friend knows. And if you tell the mom, the girl's going to wonder, how did mom find out? Well, was it my best friend? friend and then that hurts their relationship so it's definitely tricky and probably to to protect your relationship with your daughter it's probably better to try and help your daughter see that this girl's parents really need to know 
so that they can get her some help and and would she give you permission to to do that um but i that that's a very precarious and tricky situation uh i didn't have to deal with that with renee because we found out nobody told us but if they knew i certainly wish that they would have told me because the earlier that they get help the better okay, so that so- is a difficult situation but what you were saying earlier about us as christian parents and how much we freak out oh my gosh yes i so wanted to be sure i mean my children were my focus my my life my you know my ministry and i i chose to stay at home and not work full time because you know they were i was going to be sure i raised the quote perfect children and I really thought there was this formula, you just do this and this and this and and um, just pour enough of these things into them, you know, read the Bible enough, have enough Bible studies, make sure they're in church and that you're living your faith out before them. And I even remember before we ever even had any kids, asking some friends who had raised some marvelous children who I thought, okay, they've, they've done something right. I want to know what did they do so that I would be sure I did all the right things and none of the wrong things, and I just needed to know what that was. And their answer was very simple. They simply said, just live your, your faith out in front of them. Be real. And, okay, I'll do that. And so we did that to the best of our ability. But our children get to make their own choices, and I think what helps us the most um, and this now transfers over to the whole issue of guilt, guilt and shame, which is huge in the Christian community, which keeps us hiding and isolating, uh, is the best thing anyone ever said to me, which was, okay, we have to look at God, the only perfect parent, because we know we aren't. We know we did our best, but we know we certainly weren't perfect. And we have to remember all the way back in the very beginning in the garden when he only had two children and he gave them one rule and they couldn't keep it. And there was no, uh, they didn't even have a sin nature yet. There was no peer pressure. Okay, so God, did he make any mistakes? No. Did he do anything wrong? No. But yet look what his children did. Mm. And so why do I think I deserve better. Mm. Well, that was huge for me, and that really helped me with that guilt. Mm. Mm. That is such a good point. Yeah, God is the perfect parent, and look at what his kids did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that that's, uh, definitely resonates, you know. Um, well, with Renee, uh, in, in your book, you talk about she was 12 years old, when she first was cutting, what at what point you said you didn't hear it from somebody else, you, you found out through her. Did you see right. this, or did she tell you? Well, that was uh, an interesting experience. Um, she had gotten in trouble for something, and she was really upset, and she was upset with herself, something she'd done wrong. And um, I had left her in her room to just kind of calm down and think about it, and then I was going to come back so we could talk about it. And when I returned to her room, um, I discovered that up and down both of her arms, from her wrists to her elbows, were just 
covered in all these scratch marks. She looked like she'd gotten in a fight with a cat, and the cat won. And when I saw her, I, I was so shocked. It felt like someone literally punched me in the stomach, and I just couldn't couldn't believe it. And I remember just asking her, what, why? What, why did you do that? And she said she just got the idea, just came to her from, from just nowhere. She didn't know anyone who even did it, and she just found a little uh, piece of broken glass in her windowsill, and chose to hurt herself. Um, that was the first time, and I re- I responded so badly. I mean, I just it's a huge regret I have because I was angry and I was so shocked and I couldn't handle it. And I did not want to believe anything could really be wrong. That it really meant anything. Uh, she had had temper temper tantrums as a young child and had a strong will and so I just assume all right this is just a you know preteen temper tantrum this this is not anything more than that and so basically I threatened her with counseling like that would be punishment this is bad don't ever do this again if this ever happens again then you're going to have to see a counselor so I wanted to just sweep it under the rug Mm-hmm. And she got that message loud and clear, and it did not happen again uh, for a number of years. Um, but now that I've, uh, she's older and we've talked about that incident in particular, I've asked her, is there one thing you wish that I had done differently with this whole issue of cutting? And she said, yeah, I, I wish you had taken me to a counselor sooner. Yeah. I don't know if I would have opened up or talked to them, but she said at least I would have had the opportunity. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a very shocking experience. Now, later it, it came out in a much harder way. Uh, we were living overseas. We were missionaries at the time in Moscow, Russia, and um, she was now 16. And uh, unknown to us, she, in that culture, she was becoming very, very depressed We'd only been, uh, we'd lived there earlier when she was about eight, and we had been back for about a year. And um, she was not thrilled with it, but she was making the best of it. But unknown to us, um, she was so depressed that she had um, become suicidal and had started cutting herself again to cope with the pain, her her outlet for what she really couldn't talk about. Um and it came out in in things we noticed in some of her writings, a darkness. Uh, you could you could see it, and other people actually began to notice some things. They didn't know anything for sure, but they just encouraged us to to pursue asking hard questions and stay up all night if we had to to get answers, uh, which we did. And then the truth came out. It was very 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 painful.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With our busy lives, it's so easy to skip breakfast. For me, breakfast is my least favorite meal of the day. And if I didn't know better, I would omit it, but I don't. Eat This, Not That reports that studies show that people who take time for a morning meal consume fewer calories over the course of the day, have stronger cognitive skills, and are 30% less likely to be overweight or obese. On top of that, people who skip breakfast are more likely to drink alcohol and smoke, and they're less likely to exercise. The key is to choose a breakfast that works for you and not against you. Select low-fat yogurt, oatmeal, whole grain cereal with skim milk, or a fresh apple with almond butter. Choose a healthy breakfast and don't forget to exercise. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with Dina Yoy, author of a new book that is coming out this month, You Are Not Alone. And Dina is a social worker, pastor's wife, and crew staff member. And she is also the mother of a formerly troubled daughter, Renee Yoy. Renee was the suicidal, addicted, depressed, self-harming girl whose situation led friends to start the well-known nonprofit to write love on her arms. And Dina, you were just talking about um, Renee once you guys went... um, into Moscow, um, mm-hmm. how her story unfolded there when she was um, suicidal. So uh, yeah. those silly, silly commercial breaks right in the middle of, of <laughs> and continue on in, in that part of the, of the story while you're in Moscow. How did you find out at this point that she was suicidal? Well, she had shown us some uh, writings that she had done for an English class and uh, I remember reading, and um, she was writing in the third person, but she was writing about someone who was uh, very depressed and feeling suicidal and despairing of life and very hopeless. And I remember wondering if if that was her, she was talking about herself, or was that really just for a class? Um, we knew that she was, she seemed... Uh, down and isolating, withdrawing a little bit more than usual, uh, wearing dark colors more. But we weren't really sure if there was anything to be concerned about. But um, as we shared with some friends who had raised 
uh, teens who had gone through some of these things, they began to um, raise our awareness that possibly there could be more serious things going on and that we needed to be brave and courageous and ask hard questions and then just wait and wait until she would finally open up and be honest with us. And so that's what we did with much fear and trembling. And it did take, it was an all-nighter of of asking her how she was really doing and and encouraging her to be honest that it was okay. And finally her telling us that she had been uh, feeling suicidal, that she'd even made... uh, seriously considered, well, had made an attempt. In Moscow, if you step off the curb into coming traffic, it would be like New York City, uh, comparable to that. Um, So, um, and that she was coping with those um, feelings of depression and despair with cutting. And uh, I remember her, we asked her to show us, and remember her very... uh, reluctantly pulling up her sleeve because she never wanted to hurt us. She didn't want us to know. She was doing her best to hide it and and keep it inside. So, yes, um, it it came out. And when you're living in another culture, especially one like Russia, there's a lot of oppressiveness there and hopelessness. Um, And it tends to bring out um, any unresolved emotional or psychological uh, problems that a person might have. So, yes, it was very hard um, to know that she was struggling so when she was putting on such a good front of uh, appearing to be really okay for the most part. So that's how that came out. Mm. And and so at this point, because what I'm hearing is, especially from the, the last segment, that if you can get them into counseling, get them into counseling. Cause at this point she, she's obviously dealing with stuff that as a parent, I, I think for me, I have a tendency to say buck up and figure this <laughs> out. And, uh, I think maybe you did that as well <laughs> because you do, you want to go, I don't understand why are you doing this? You have all this love and we we've given you everything like, okay. Um, what I guess my, my question is, what would you say to the listeners if you're seeing some of these signs to, you know, how, how would you respond to your child at this point? Well, um, you know, and the other question I would have too is when you see these signs, I think, you know, Patty, I know we both know from experience, you can see these signs. Um, I mean, even with kids that we've worked with, um, and I know for a lot of parents, like you see these signs, but you're, you feel helpless. It's like, I don't know what to do about these, about this. And I don't know about this, whether it's eating disorder or what it could be, you know, an, an issue and you feel ill-equipped. And so yeah. I think a lot of parents shut down because it's like, right. if, if I learn about this, then I'm acknowledging there's an issue and then I have to face it <laughs> myself. And I don't, that brings up even some emotions or fears inside of me. So if we just pretend like it's not really happening, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it's a phase. <clears throat> maybe somebody will figure it out. And so I think there's some of that. So, um, Dina, why is it important for parents of kids in crisis to really get educated themselves about these issues, to be able to really come alongside their kids in a loving, respectable, but educated way? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, what I found from my personal experience was that, I mean, I certainly wanted to stay in denial. I didn't want any of it to be real. I didn't want to have to go there uh, to, because I was so unaware and it was I was so ignorant about all of these issues that uh, she was facing, which were gradually, slowly revealed. Um, you know, it was in informing and educating myself that I began to be able to find relief from my fear because then it wasn't so much of an unknown. I could understand what's behind cutting. All right, it's a very complicated um, strategy of coping with deep pain. You know, all the reasons are very extensive, and there's no one simple reason for everyone, but it helps with your fear. It helped me be more compassionate and empathetic because, like you said, and sometimes you just want to say, just tough it up, you know, just just get over it or just mm-hmm. come on um, because it's hard for us just to understand if we've never dealt with any of those things, which I never did. Um, one of the things that helped my husband and I the most was taking a course that um, an organization that addresses the area of mental illness, called, they're called NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's NAMI, N-A-M-I. Org, and they offer a free 12-week course all around the country, uh, even online if there doesn't happen to be one in your city, that is very comprehensive, uh, taught by other parents who are going through these kinds of things with their children. That helps you understand everything from how the brain works to how depression or PTSD or OCD is treated and the possible uh, side effects. And, um, well, what if your child is suicidal? How do you develop a suicide pact with them? What is that? Can they live successfully? How do you cope? That course was huge because at the end, I felt like I understood my daughter a little better. And instead of being angry and... Um, impatient, I began to understand how much she was really suffering. One of the issues that Renee um, struggled with that we did not know about until we came back to the States and got her help and ended up in a psychiatrist's office, and he discovered that she had struggled with something called sensory processing disorder or a sensory integration dysfunction where you're you're very sensitive to all of the external stimuli, sound, taste, touch, and so on, and that affects how you interact with other people and how you feel about yourself, and she thought it was normal. So, again, understanding of these things helped me with my fear, helped me be more empathetic, um, and understand how to relate to her better. So that's really what that did for me. Mm. That is amazing having those tools, you know, knowing, and that's mm-hmm. a great to be able to share resources with other people to go, this is really what helped me with, you know, cause you're at a, you're like, this is all new to me. I don't know. And you love yeah. your child so much. You're like, I want to be there for them. And, and you know, how do I love them through this and help them to see without, like you said earlier, creating the shame and the guilt, which yeah. we are really good at, but how do you just love through that? Um, I, we're going to have to take a break in a couple of minutes here, but we also want to focus on your book. You are not alone. 
Hope for Hurting Parents of Troubled Kids. And you, you've written this book to really, you've, t- you've taken from your own pain and allowed it to transform to help others, which is just remarkable because that's what a great resource. And, you know, we want you to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, why now did you go, this is, um, I want to. I want to write this book. It's it's time, and this is this is the need, the itch I need, I'm scratching. So we have like less than three minutes. If you could kind of start that conversation, and then okay. we'll see a little bit more in the in the in the final segment. Sure. Well, as the years went by, and we've been on this journey now for over ten years. Renee is twenty nine now. Um, more and more parents were seeking me out, and my husband and I eventually started a ministry called Hope for Hurting Parents. And as we talked to more and more parents, um, it was it was very difficult because I, I felt like I had a, a message to share and a lot of things I'd learned that God had taught me over the years um, that I wanted to share with more people. And you can only talk to so many people. You can only reach so many on your own. And I began to feel compelled to write what had helped me where I found help, where I found hope, and with input from Renee uh, to help as many people as possible from what I'd learned. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And, and I want to talk to uh, a little bit more about just Renee, where she's at, your relationship today, going through all of that. And then even, it, it's amazing you and your, your husband, because a lot of times when there's a you know something this traumatic in, in the family, it, it affects the whole family. It's just not... Oh, yes. Child, mm-hmm. you had, as I understand, two other siblings. Is that correct? Yes. So yes. Mm-hmm. So just that dynamics, that relationship, you know, because they're grieving, they're experiencing that through their own lens too, and watching right. you and your husband. I mean, that's got to put a lot of pressure because, like, your children are watching how you are handling that. So you have, yes. a, I'm sure, and being in ministry, um, you have mm-hmm. people watching you. And yes. I'm a pastor's wife, and I know, you know, you, you sometimes it's like you feel like you're on display sometimes, and people are watching you, and you just want to live your life, and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and the messiness and everything of that, you know, but it, right. it's a little dance to do, and, and to figure that out, you know, how do I be there for my child, because they're, they're significant, they're important, the role doesn't, you know, trump the relationship, and so, yeah. but yet being there to encourage other people in that, so... We just so appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability with all this because you're helping so many people. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. 
For more information, go to stadia.cc. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports Radio Show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are chatting with Dina Yoy, and she's the author of a powerful new book, You Are Not Alone, Hope for Hurting Parents of Troubled Kids. And she comes alongside parents whose teenagers or young adult children are making destructive choices. And just, Dina, with all this uh, compassion and wisdom that you are sharing with us, uh, like Lisa said, we just have to... Thank you. Um, there are so many parents out there that are looking for healthy ways to cope with these challenges that you were talking about from, I, I mean, we keep hearing these new disorders that are popping up, uh, you know, from defiant disorder to the mm-hmm. sensory processing disorder. And mm-hmm. like I said, you know, my temperament, I want my kids just to see life through my lens. And mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> not as open to, um, you know, these other, you know, you keep hearing of so many kids are dealing with anxieties, just social anxieties now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's yeah. because of social media or um, just what they're able to watch now and, you know, mm-hmm. from movies to Netflix to Amazon Prime, you know, whatever they have access to uh, that's creating this. Obviously, um, the enemy is having a heyday and we need to not only be praying, but we also need to know how to cope. And and I love your um, idea of the NAMI, the NAMI, the nonprofit. Yeah. That, that is such a great tool to so many times we want to get our kids, quote unquote, fixed. And yeah. um, it might be us. <laughs> we <need laughs> yes. ourselves. And- yeah, that was a big surprise for me that I've really... Uh, I tell some people in regard to parenting, um, my philosophy or view of parenting has been completely turned on its head because prior to this, I really thought, oh, my other kids, she's the middle one, they're doing so great, we could write a book on how to be great parents. And then we found out we knew nothing, <laughs> and and I thought parenting was all about what we bring to our children what we pour into their lives, you know, all of our wisdom and our experience and insights and so on. And what I have found is that really it was more what God was going to do in me through them. 
mm. especially through her. And I've even thanked her for how I've grown and what I've learned and what she's taught me through the challenges and the pain and the suffering of being her mom. And which, by the way, the the reason, the main reason we have so much freedom in talking about all that we went through is because of how her story was out there around the world on the Internet, and so everyone knew everything, and so there was no longer any reason to hide or be quiet because everybody knew. Um, so she has also given us permission to talk about her story, but that's kind of a unique twist for us with uh, our situation. Well, you know, that is powerful what you just said. It's when you're exposed, when the darkness comes out to light, just like it says in scripture, Mm. it's so freeing. And yet look at the healing that can take place. Because so many times Mm -hmm. we want to hold on to that and kind of bury it in the closet and not Mm -hmm. talk about. Um, I, I see that in just, you know, certain generations of parenting where I had another friend who wanted to talk openly about her eating disorder and just, you know, dealing with bulimia and her mom really shut her down and said, do not Mm. tell Mm. people that you won't get hired in places. Mm. You're not going to be able to, she wanted to go into ministry and she said, Mm. you're, you know, they're not going to want someone in ministry that is so unhealthy. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's sad. And you just Ah. think, okay, that is what we do as a parent. It's like, no, 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 we don't talk about our issues. So that's a lot, the freedom to be able to talk about that. And, um, Dina, I also, uh, you, in your book, you talk about just the anger. Um, Mm -hmm. I know we're running out of time, but just the anger Mm -hmm. that as a parent that you feel. And also like Lisa said, your relationship now um, with Renee. Oh, and mm-hmm. one more question. So that's two. I hope you're remembering. All <laughs> okay. <laughs> the third one is where does Renee fall in? Did you say she's the middle child? She is. Okay. So she falls in that middle child area there. Okay. So yeah. how did you deal with, with the anger? And was the it anger. anger towards Renee? Or did you even have anger towards um, you know, Jamie and this group of, you know, David, this group that surrounded her, um, mm. did you feel like, wait, what are you, what are you guys doing with my child? Well, um, anger has been, um, I'm one of those people that doesn't get angry very easily. So, um, it, it's, it was difficult for me to even, um, identify my anger and be okay with it. And so for me, my anger came out at the people that um, I held responsible for hurting Renee, mm-hmm. um, the people who encouraged her to do drugs, uh, particularly the men who took advantage of her when she was high or drunk and raped her. Mm-hmm. I had huge rage for them. And so ultimately what what where it took me because I stuffed all of that was that I began to become depressed and I realized I needed some help. And this had happened to me earlier in my life after uh, one of my miscarriages where I ended up in a counselor's office and he asked me the very important question was, who was I mad at? And I didn't think I was mad at anybody. And with a little prodding and thinking and praying, I realized, I was mad at God. 
Mm-hmm. And so, again, when these things were happening with Renee, I ultimately began to realize I was mad at God. And earlier in my life, I did not think that was okay as a good Christian. That was wrong. You don't get mad at God. But then I realized, no, it's okay. It's what I do with it. He knows how I'm feeling anyway. I need to be honest with it. And so I got my anger out when I recognized it in journaling and writing. And my husband and I went through a year-long therapist-led support group for other parents whose children had been sexually abused. And one of the things they had us do to get our anger out was to write a letter to the rapist. So I would write a letter, and I'd write down every nasty, awful thing I wanted to say and that I wanted them to die. I mean, I mean, it was, it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. And then had great pleasure in ripping up and destroying that paper. Um, so that I found some things to do like that. And one of the things that a counselor also encouraged me to do, because, again, I'm the type of personality that has a hard time expressing anger and being okay with that, was that uh, she told me to give myself permission to have a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. So when no one was home and the house was quiet and no one could hear me, I just would scream and yell and pound my fist and shake my hand and cuss if I needed to and just get it out. So I found various means, and the one that helped me the most is called the chair exercise, and I talk about that in my book. And it's a way, actually in a prayerful attitude, of sitting across from a chair or couch and pretending that God is in the chair, and I tell him everything I want to say, everything I don't understand, I'm mad about, I'm upset about, I just get it out verbally. And then the key is to wait and ask him then what he wants to say back to me. And that was very powerful for me and brought a lot of deep healing. And so I share about that in my book and encourage people to try that. Uh, And my relationship with Renee today, it it has been amazingly completely healed and restored. And our whole family has been restored since her very first rehab when she was only 19. I mean, really, through all the years of her relapses and in and out of drug and alcohol abuse, we were, we were still reconciled. Our relationship was intact and healthy and loving. I mean, it would hurt us deeply to see her in so much pain, but um, she did. She tried not to hurt us. Um, she really loves her family well. So we've been very, very blessed to have that and um, growing closer, uh, all of us, uh, over the years. So we are very, very grateful for that and enjoy being together. She enjoys being an aunt to her two little nieces and has a wonderful relationship with her brother and her sister as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Dina, we only have a couple minutes left. And first of all, we want to just thank you profusely for just being a part of our show. And um, the way you express and have told your story is very um, 
well, it's honoring of your family and of Renee. And, and also it's just very much, it's, it's healing and you just, you exude hope and peace for others that are looking at this. And I love what you just said about Renee, that she loved well, even in the midst of brokenness and messiness, she loved well. And that says a lot about you as parents that you taught. She didn't, you know, run from that. And, and just the fact of hearing how you really went into the, to the depths of your own story for healing. And a lot of times people, we don't take time to really understand ourselves and understand God and that relationship. And where is that hurt, that wound coming from and take, and, you know, mm-hmm. doing that hard work to discover that because it's painful. Um, so just want to commend you on, on so many levels because you are providing hope and healing and peace mm-hmm. and strength for so many um, mm-hmm. others that are finding themselves in these crises and that, you know what, God does restore and he does renew and it doesn't mean it's easy process and it is a journey. So in the the last minute and a half we have, how can people find your book? And I know it's being released this month um, Uh and, and, and anything else you would like to leave and how they can find you. Well, thank you. It will be released on July 19th. They can pre-order it now either through Amazon or through our website, our our ministry, which is hopeforhurtingparents.com. And, um, well, you know, what I really want to say to people is uh, to be careful because we don't have any guarantees. I can't promise anyone that everything's going to work out for their child, that it's going to end well with a neat bow on top, and things are going to be wonderful and loving one day like it is for us right now. Um, But all we really can know for certain is that God is with us Mm -hmm. and that he can redeem our story and use it for good somehow in some way and to not stay alone, that there's so much help out there to find a support group, whether it's a Bible study or uh, something like Al-Anon or Celebrate Recovery, that there's a lot of help out there and to please reach out. Uh, there are so many people out there that are going through the same kinds of things that you are, and they can offer you so much strength and courage from what God has shown them. So please yeah, don't give up you. on yourself. You know, so sorry, we have to go. Thank you. Those hey. are such great words and resources. And thank you for joining our show. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend it. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.